The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. This came out yesterday and we started talking about it and I wanted to focus a little bit more on it today. Edmonton police uh, sounding the alarm after finding three illegal cannabis extraction labs in homes in the city in the past month. Now all I think have been found in the southeast part of Edmonton. Two were found after they exploded causing fires, after there was an explosion causing fires. The other was found while investigating investigating a sudden death. Joining me in studio this afternoon is EPS Sergeant uh, Guy Pilon. with the clandestine lab team and EPS Sergeant Pat Campo, who is a drug expert. Sergeant, thanks for joining me in studio. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Well, so let's talk about uh, uh, this. Have you found these labs before? These weren't the first three, were they? No, these aren't the first three that we've discovered. So why why the flag now? Because of the... We found three in such a short time frame. Um, And we had expected that we were going to start seeing some of these after the legalization of cannabis. And uh, it's just taken a while. And typically in spring, you're going to see an upsurge in this for whatever reason. Um, And we're just finding them out now. And these homes are just in everyday normal neighborhoods. And um, when there's been fires, when there's been explosions, I mean, it's not only the people who are doing this, it's they're putting, you know, the folks all around them in danger, aren't they? Absolutely. It could be somebody walking by the front of the house when it explodes uh, or catches on fire. It could be the neighbors next door. It could be kids running down the alley. You don't know. So, Sergeant Campbell, what are they doing? Um, You know, when you talk about this, what exactly are they doing? Like, cannabis is legal. We know that. Cannabis is legal. But what they're doing is illegal. Can you explain that to us? And That's correct. It's the, uh, the extraction process is not illegal, but when you use solvent to extract the THC out of the cannabis, that's where it becomes illegal. Um, when we did the uh, the news release yesterday, we we're showing some high-tech equipment. It's worth a few dollars. We're seeing some some that are more homemade as well, and uh, and it becomes very dangerous. So how, um, I guess maybe without going into great detail or whatever detail, how do they extract it? So, so what they do is they use a solvent. So they, uh, they, they put the cannabis into a receptacle, they, they apply solvent to it, and the solvent will take the THC and it will gather it in a, a recipient bowl at, at the bottom. So it will uh, be a mixture of solvent and THC or uh, cannabis oil. Mm-hmm. And then the next step where it's very dangerous is they need to take that solvent outside of that mixture. Uh, more than often, they will evaporate that mix, that solvent. Uh, solvent is heavier than air, so it's usually going to go down all the way down to the bottom uh, of the house, and there's furnaces or uh-huh. pilot lights and things like that. Yeah, you know, all you need to do is light up a smoke or yeah, whatever. Uh, a static could be uh, could be yeah. good enough. Uh, and then whenever you uh, to cause an explosion, you're going to need three things. You're going to need your uh, your fuel source. You're going to need your ignition source, and you're going to need your oxygen. So sometimes you may have the ignition at the ba- in the basement. Um, you're going have your, your butane that made its way there but you don't have enough oxygen so opening a door could be uh, the missing element and that could be causing the explosion. Wow and it's butane that they're using. Uh, that's correct on most occasions they're using butane. Okay um, w- it, this is is this what they call shatter? So shatter is a concentrated form of cannabis and there's another process that needs to take place okay. before it becomes shatter. Okay. See, I'm because I'm I'm a rookie at this. You guys are you guys are the experts uh, at this. I don't know much uh, about this, but is it is it is this stuff pretty popular on the streets? It, it's pretty much sought after by uh, consumers, okay. and so that's why they make it. The profit margin for um, 
those distilling it and making it is significant as well. All righty. Okay. So, um, and, and are you seeing a lot of it on the streets right now? Um, Shatter has been, uh, been around for quite a while. Okay. Um, some people are buying online. So we've been seeing it and we've been seeing it on the black market, but uh, we're seeing a lot of homemade Shatter now instead of what looks a little more commercially packaged. This shatter. kind of reminds me of, and we, we talked about this briefly during uh, the, the break, you know, I think back in 2004, 2005, I think when meth started to become a little bit more popular about, um, you know, people, the meth labs in, in people's homes and, and the dangers um, that those, um, they, well, the dangers surrounding those as well. Is that kind of similar? It's similar and yet they're different. Okay. Um, the, the production of meth was done a lot of times in what they the mom-and-pop kind of user-based labs. So they were making some. It was easy to make. It was cheap to make. Uh, they were consuming it and selling a little mm-hmm. bit in order to, to get them some money to, to make the next batch. This isn't quite that same way, uh, but it's easy to manufacture. It's dangerous in manufacturing, um, and there's a, a big market for it. There is, eh? Hmm. Okay, and I, what? Uh, that's a stupid question. What do you even do with shatter? Do you smoke it? Do you inject it? What is it? <laughs> so shatter is, you can use it, um, you can consume it using a, a bong with a steel okay. uh, titanium tip on it. You can put a little bit in there, heat it up, um, vaporize it and inhale the vapors. Hmm. Uh, or you can put it into onto a hot knife or a hot... Okay. Some people can even put a little piece on the element of an e-cigarette. And uh, oh, it, it really? doesn't require much because it's three times the potency, roughly three times the potency of cannabis. So you just need a tiny little piece and uh, you can get away in getting what you want. Let's talk about that. I mean, so yeah, you're kind of, you're, you're extracting all of this out. So you're making things even more potent. So you need even less in a nutshell. That is correct. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Um, I think you, you two have a very, very fascinating job and been lucky enough in my in my years in in television and in radio to to spend some time with you know different members of uh, the EPS on different fronts when it comes to the drug side uh, of the city. Um, is it frustrating for you at at any point to to see what what people are are doing and maybe how they're impacting the safety of others? Well, it, it's frustrating in this respect that. That's pretty common knowledge out there if you Google or if you uh, search on BHO extractions. The first thing that comes out of this is out of the videos or the instructions is this is very dangerous. Don't do it inside. Do it outside. I mean, it's not like we're hiding that information. Yeah, yeah. It's public knowledge. It's out there. And yet they still continue to, to disregard it completely in order to fulfill what they're doing. Okay. So that's a frustrating part, and putting lots and lots of people at risk as a result of doing it. The um, EPS Clan Lab Response Team, um, can you tell me just a, a little bit more about that, what it is that you do, how busy you are? So what that is, we're comprised of six site safety officers, and we have 22 members in total. Um, we will respond to uh, different drug calls where there is... Uh, clandestine or illicit operations, whether manufacturing drugs, where they're synthesizing drugs, or where, in the case of fentanyl, where they're getting um, pure fentanyl in, mixing it with adulterants, uh, processing it, and packaging it for sale. So it's not a synthesis, it's just a packaging facility. Um, We will go to cannabis 
grow operations where illegally growed and being processed. So any of those kind of situations we will attend and our, our training enables us to go there and dismantle it in a safe way uh, so that we, are, we don't uh, put any of the public at risk and keep our members safe while they're dismantling it. Now, as we know, we, you brought up uh, cannabis um, uh, uh, grow ops, and we know that, that cannabis is now legal, but there are rules around this as well. There's only so many uh, uh, plants that you can have, that sort of stuff. W- can you explain to folks when it crosses into the illegal territory? Um, with the new legislation, you're allowed to have uh, to grow four plants inside your house. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen we've seen houses with 30, 40, 60 plants, uh, and there's there's various dangers that are that are also associated to that. Uh, you know, with the power, uh, for example. But there's uh, mold, there's spores, there's, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of uh, there's pesticides, uh, and I mean there's exposure to children as well. So there's there's a lot that are uh, that are. Uh, sometimes not consider oh, I'm just growing cannabis plant mm-hmm. that's not a big deal but there's there's a lot of uh, health issues if it's not done properly um, when it comes to to the amount of cannabis that you're allowed uh, to carry I believe it's 30 grams on your person but there's no rule on how much dry cannabis you're allowed to have uh, inside your house so there's somewhat of a loophole and when we go back to uh, to the extraction lab mm-hmm. what we're seeing is we're seeing a large quantity of illegal cannabis being in in those homes but there's no way for us to be able to to say well this is legal or this is illegal because there's no there's no rules surrounding how much dry cannabis you can have in your home so it kind of facilitate a little bit um, that that illegal side of the activity. So, Sergeant Campbell, what would make the um, the cannabis possession illegal at home? You talk about is it over the thirty over thirty grams in your home, or what is it? There is no rule inside. There is no your room, home. so that's the challenge. That is the okay. challenge. So we we can walk into a house and there's three hundred pound of dried cannabis, <laughs> uh, where we know it's illegal cannabis, but there's no uh, there's nothing for us to be able to to enforce it. Okay, interesting. Um, and so cycling back uh, around again to these uh, extraction labs. So what should folks be looking for if if you think something is is going on? What what should people be keeping an eye out for? So typically, what they use in the these extraction labs is either canisters of butane, whether they're the the canisters that you'd get to fill a lighter or larger canisters. Uh, they could be like a 20-pound uh, barbecue bottle mm. that's full of butane. So if you're seeing a lot of those kind of elements being tossed out in the garbage, if you're seeing a garage that's got seven or eight cans of butane in it or seven or eight canisters of butane and a bunch of stainless steel equipment uh, that kind of looks out of the ordinary. Um, there's, They will typically try to use the stuff that doesn't have an odor to it so there won't be any smell to mm-hmm. it. Uh, if you're seeing those kind of things or you're seeing a bunch of um, what we call marijuana shakes, so discarded stems and okay. maybe some leaves in the garbage along with a bunch of cans of butane. Um, a bunch of packaging that you don't see as normal. You don't see a bunch of foil bags. Huh. Um, th- there's all kinds of indicia that you would see in the garbage being tossed out. There's a lot of folks that would want to say, though, you know, I just don't want to get involved. I don't want to get in trouble, this sort of thing. What do you say to them? Crime Stoppers is a great venue. <laughs> Let's take a break here. Uh, EPS Sergeant Guy Pilon and uh, EPS Sergeant uh, Pat Campo joining me in studio. I do, uh, we need to take a break. I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, meth uh, with you. I know the police chief uh, was talking about meth recently. And of course, fentanyl is on uh, everyone's uh, radar these days as well. Can you stick around a bit longer? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. 
Sergeant uh, Guy Pilon and uh, Sergeant Pat Campo joining me in studio, um, both, uh, you know, working the drug side at, uh, at the EPS with the clandestine lab team and uh, Sergeant Campo, a drug expert uh, as well. Um, you had mentioned, you know, during the break, talking about some of these places where these clandestine labs are, are oftentimes in rental properties, and that can just turn into a huge, huge mess for, I guess, you know, the owners of the property. Can you explain that a little bit? Um, yeah, that's correct. Lots of time, um, whenever you have a clandestine lab, whatever will be left behind, uh, the suite is going to be on a, a ba- uh, habitable. So um, whenever they rent those, those places, they'll set their labs, they'll do what they do, and often they're going to move somewhere else. Well, the homeowner often is left with cleaning up this mess. Well, when it comes to fentanyl, uh, it's such a fine powder that it gets everywhere. So we respond with the clan lab. We, we deal with the lab. But then, uh, often enough, we have to condemn the house, uh, mm-hmm. the homeowner, because it's a legal activity that was happening inside his, uh, their residence is often are not uh, able to uh, get insurance to help them. Oh, my gosh. That just uh, terrifies me with the thought of ever having a rental property, to be honest with you. Someone had texted in about, uh, about Shatter and about um, uh, medical use. Um, what do you say to that? Um, we see a lot of... Uh, of shatter being packaged to look like it's a, a nice commercial packaging on those packaging assessed for medical use only. Mm. Um, and, and people go, they, they know that they can purchase a cannabis product online. Um, so they go online, they put cannabis and there's all these illegal sites that are there as well. Uh, they attract people by saying this is for medical and we, if you have a doctor's note, we will fill your prescription. Uh, with the new legislation, when it comes to online orders, it has to be through the AGLC, all mm-hmm. the other sites that we have uh, are illegally there. Okay. Okay, so note to self uh, on that front. Um, When it comes to meth, as I mentioned before the break, um, the new police chief talking about meth and worried about meth and the the amount um, that it's being used in the city. Um, Sergeant Pilon, what are you seeing out there? Meth use has increased uh, exponentially almost in the last five years. Uh, Huge increase in the amount of meth that we're seizing and seeing on the street. Uh, It's also tied to a lot of violent behavior. Um, auto thefts, frauds, and now they're used, the meth users are also using fentanyl. So now we've got two very potent and opposite drugs working in conjunction to really mess with people. Why, why is meth use, do you believe, on the rise? Uh, the availability, the, um, the reasonable cost. Meth is about a third of what it used to be. So it's really cheap to to acquire. Uh, the high lasts for a long time, and it's really potent. So it is, as a user, uh, you get better bang for your buck, I guess. And from what I understand um, from doing, you know, stories on this years back, it's um, highly addictive. It can be, you know, first time, and, and you can, you know, that's it. Yeah, the, the addiction rate to meth is really, really... Uh, really high and the withdrawal symptoms although they're it's not physiologically uh, addicting psychologically it's really dependent and so the the withdrawal weight rate and getting clean from that is not a six-week process it's about an 18-month process and there's no guarantee that you're not gonna um, use again once you're done I remember talking to families who'd just been destroyed um, by by this drug and you know the stealing going within the family maybe it's a you know a child a son or a daughter and then stealing from the parents stealing from relatives all of that to get that next the next high but also some of the drastic measures um, 
that people will will take to get that next high. On the fentanyl front, I mean, of course, there's been a lot of talk about that. And we know that, um, you know, the deaths from opioids uh, in, in this country continue to to grow. And Alberta is seeing a huge problem with that. What are you seeing fentanyl-wise? Um, are we, is that, is that being shipped in? It's not being made here, is it, or is it being packaged here? So, so what we're, we're seeing uh, mostly is being shipped here from a uh, source country like uh, China. China. Um, uh, being one of them, and once it's here, then it gets adulterated. So there's uh, there's labs where they're going to be mixing with uh, various adulterants. Uh, now those labs are are not like uh, a pharmaceutical lab where the the right concentration is going to be in the right uh, dose. Mm. Um, so their mixing methods are are amateurish uh, at best. There was a there was a fascinating um, documentary. I think it was on 60 Minutes last weekend or weekend the before, but following. Uh, a fentanyl mixer, someone who brought it in and was actually showing his this guy's girlfriend died by taking some of his stuff and talking about the mixing, not having the mixing the proper mixing tools and was just putting stuff in a in a in a like a Clorox jug, in a milk jug and shaking it up. So some might have nothing in it, some might have way too much in it. And uh, people were dying all over the place based on uh, that batch. It's terrifying. It's terrifying out there. And you know, I think right now, you know, there's a lot of folks I can probably don't even have to look at the text line and say, well, just don't do it, don't do it. But there are some people who do, um, you know, party drugs or, you know, recreational drugs think that they're going to buy one thing and end up getting fentanyl and end up dying. We've seen that. Well, I just think about this, that there's a lot of people that get addicted to opioids. Yes. Um, as a result of being in a car accident or injured at work. Or, Overprescribed, yes. And they get prescribed opioids and all of a sudden now the docs are going yeah Ooh, we got to lay off this and they they start tapering them down or mm-hmm. cutting them off so what did they do they revert to to the street grade stuff which is not good for them uh, and they continue on. It's a tough addiction to beat. Absolutely, and there's so much that needs to be done uh, on on that front. Um, sergeants, you know, thank you for the job that you do in the city. Thank you for waving the flag on this, and, and thank you for coming in and chatting with, uh, with me and all of Chedville about it. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jaden.